self-serving persuasive talkers of everything and nothing we are a conversation con artist what's going on people it's your boy mr on point and i am calamity red and we are conversation con artists back for another wonderful fantastic episode you can find me on twitter and instagram at mr m-i-s-t-e-r underscore on point and I can be found at Reddit underscore Calamity. Also, we're still doing the listener related portion of the show. So if you have a question or a Reddit or anything you would like to send us, you can send it to our Gmail account, which is conversationconartist at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Conversation Con Artists, and send it to us that way. You can also tag us on Twitter because we had somebody tag me. And listen, I am very proud because I saw this tweet within 30 minutes of her tweeting it. <laughs> And I, I'm trying to be better about getting on Twitter just to see if anybody's added me. I really don't use Twitter, but like I'll get on to see if I have any ads. So uh, you could do it on Twitter as well. Um, she sent us a BuzzFeed. It's kind of like a Reddit post. It's a when I saw, I didn't read it because when I saw the title, I was like, oh, this is some fuckery. Let me just save this. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we do have that, and I think Colin sent us some stuff. Okay. Which one you want to do first, Colin or Miss Buns? Um. Mm, well, let me give y'all some life updates real quick. Oh okay. yes, because you've had a fucking week. Uh. <laughs> the overall arching moment in my life is that I'm leaving the South. I'm leaving Alabama and I'm moving to Hawaii. I don't know if I've said that on the show or not. You have not. I'm moving to Hawaii, and everybody, when I say I'm moving to Hawaii, they're like, oh, Hawaii, oh, man, I want to go to Hawaii, Hawaii. Like, everybody, that's just the universal good, some universal good shit to do is it's to move like to Hawaii. Beautiful, like, you just think of positive things when you think of, of Hawaii, unlike when you think of Alabama. <laughs> I mean, so that's universal good shit to do, and people like, yo, Hawaii, oh, goddamn, Hawaii? So that's the major change going on in my life. Earlier this week, Tuesday, I had a tooth removed. Um, this tooth been giving me problems for a few years. It's a root canal that I got that went south. And basically what happened is I got a root canal at a place that thought that cleaning out the infection was enough. And they didn't give me antibiotics. And so the infection was still under my tooth and it continued to grow. Ouch. Uh, I went to UAB and that's what happened. So, um, and negligence is really why I didn't go get it fixed. But what it was, was it was a tooth basically floating in my mouth kind of that I could like wiggle down and push down. Um, but I went and I got that, uh, that checked out that tooth removed. And because that tooth was kind of floating a little bit, I couldn't, eat right i couldn't talk right i couldn't sing right i couldn't do anything right because at the the threat of biting down on my tooth and it hurting a little bit got that removed so i'm feeling good about that um yesterday i got up to go and visit a client saturday morning and i'm riding down the interstate and <laughs> my car was shaking a little bit and then my car i heard a pop and when i heard a pop i saw my hood pop up a little bit so i was like oh shit something has dislodged I'm finna pull over, call a tow truck, period. That's just what you're finna do. I pulled over, and 
and this uh, I got out the car, tow truck. This old lady pulled up, an old nice lady, but like she was like, "You need any help?" I'm like, "Ma'am, if you're not a mechanic that can stop smoking <laughs> out a car, I don't know what you stop for. <laughs> no idea." But she stopped. You know, she was recording Facebook Live the whole time and shit. She probably was just trying to be nosy and shit. Yeah, she was. And um. So there's a Facebook live of you rolling around. Somewhere. Somewhere. I mean, I so I called the podcast group when all of this shit started, and I was like, hey, y'all, look at my car. It's on fire. So my car caught on fire out on the side of the road, and that bitch was just burning, flames. Keep, keep in mind, On Point does not respond to things in the way that a normal person responds, Okay. I, I had to, I, I'm, I'm on call this weekend and I actually had to go to work. So I'm on my way to work and he calls me first. Like he calls me on the phone and I answered. And I thought it was odd he was calling me because it was kind of early in the morning for like him to call. And um, he was just like, yo, you won't believe this, but my car's on fire. Even tone, just like that. <laughs> and so I'm like, nigga, what? <laughs> Your car's on fire. What do you mean? Like he stays the same no matter what the fuck is going on and this is a testament to that not responding to them. now i'm not gonna i mean it's not much you can do but i think i would have had a little more emotion like if i had called him because my shit was on fire i would have like nigga <laughs> my fucking car <laughs> but he was just like my car's on fire <laughs> just even kill but go on with your story i just had to interject that because the way he sounds right now is how he sounded when it was happening. This is not because, and this is just the next day. So he ain't even that far removed from the incident. But I don't want y'all to think that this is because, you know, he's out of this incident. This is how he sounded when it was happening. Look, <laughs> what I, is going you know, on? I, this is why I'm, you know, I've been trying to figure out what's going on with my emotional self. Like, do does something happen that would spike my emotion? And I, and my emotion come back down fast because that's how well I regulate? Or is this that I don't even feel it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there are moments where I feel things intensely, but they so they so sporadic and minimal. Like, I don't, you know. But anyway, my car's It's amazing on fire. to know you. I just want to say that. Like... <laughs> Because I feel like I'm on the now I wouldn't say I'm on the other end of the spectrum because I don't think that when I now when I respond to some shit I respond, but it's a lot of stuff that I just like I'm, I'm not gonna do it or I don't give a fuck about it so it is what it is, <laughs> like. But you, it's just it's amazing to see, just it's unbelievable. <laughs> we would we were joking, man. I, I, everybody from the podcast was on the chat. Yeah. And, um, I appreciate y'all guys' uh, nerd plate and government name um, because they was all there, you know, ready to come pick me up, ready to do whatever. I mean, I had hung up on one call uh, while everybody was on it. I hung up, and then I came back to call, and I they I joined. They were still all on the call just waiting to see what was going on. So, I mean, that's like what uh, that's what support is like when you have a group of people. Like uh, some someone was in the bed, someone woke up, but everybody got up and was like, "Are you straight?" You know. So I appreciate that from them guys. So while they were on the phone with me, they got to witness this white guy jump out of his car and he started running up the hill towards my car, and I'm like, "What the hell he doing?" 
I don't want to see white people get blew up today. <laughs> you know, I don't know much about how car fires escalate, you know. Um, but he ran up to the car and just opened the doors, I guess, to check to see if somebody was in there. And that got that got to me, you know what I'm saying? It made me feel it got me in my feelings because he thought that we were just standing over there watching motherfuckers burn. <laughs> Uh, when he pulled up, he was like, why are those two watching them burn? They must not be heroes. Fucking white man hero ability activate. Ran full speed over there and opened the doors and gonna look back at me and thumbs up me like, bitch, get the fuck away from that dangerous shit. Okay, now, wrong this with is you? when his voice elevated because he was like, nobody's in the car. Get away from the car. Yeah, I'm like, nobody nobody's in the car, motherfucker. And he came up to me and I was like, look, I was trying to wave you off because nobody was in the car. He's like, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> okay, man, go back to tend to your fucking kids, man. What? Didn't even, he had two kids in the car. I'm like, what kind of trauma you going to get these kids if they seen your head blow up and your they head fall, your head's going to fall on the fucking windshield. If it was a movie, that's what would happen be a hero he's gonna you know these other people were just standing by and he rushed in there and he saved that baby out of the backseat of that car mm-hmm. so so McCarr burn up is burning and the police come and you know the fire department come and they put the fire out and um another highlight was I was on the phone with everybody and a black sheriff pulled up <laughs> and I was like let me get off the phone y'all cause this nigga finna be mad <laughs> For whatever reason, because I saw him, he had one of them hats on, one of them goddamn stiff ass hats with the chin strap. I was like, he finna be mad. Just, <laughs> I don't even know why. I feel like just because it's another black person that ain't a police officer on the scene, and he probably became a sheriff because black folks fuck with him his whole life. <laughs> when I tell you he used every iota of his existence to pretend like I wasn't there. That sh- I was like, God damn, I ain't never seen somebody be so intent to pretend like somebody one day. I mean, he clearly, the dude told, pointed at me and said that my car was on fire. And then he walked over to the car, passed me, and just looked directly straight, like no change at all. He was probably like, I want this nigga to see what power feels like when I walk by. I don't know what the fuck is here, but. <laughs> uh, that's what happened and he went back to his car with the same energy that he walked to my car with <laughs> and I was like I told him I said let me get the fuck away from this side of the road man <laughs> um, the police asked me if I wanted to ride I was like no nah, I got somebody on the way even though I didn't have nobody on the way but I've seen enough movies that take place in the 50s to know when the police ask you if you want on a ride <laughs> that you finna get dropped off in the woods with less limbs than you had when you got in the car <laughs> I didn't want to do that I know this ain't the 50s, but, you know, I just, I'm just i a worst-case scenario thinker. And uh, But the reality is, after all of that stuff, to be honest, this is the best-case scenario. And so I've been talking to people all day, and I've been call- so I've been calling people all day about this shit. I called my mom, I called my brother, I called everybody. I posted a Facebook post. So people started calling me after the Facebook post because people saw the picture before they read anything. So it looked like I had a wreck, you know, more so than it burned. So people were thinking that, I guess they were thinking I was in the car when some shit went down. In reality, I just I got out of my car when I thought it was just a regular, you know, issue that needed maintenance or fixing. But people was calling me and they were responding like I was supposed to be a lot more concerned. So this was a moment where I was like, 
either they don't understand exactly what went on or I ain't concerned enough <laughs> <laughs> about my life. Like, my, motherfucker, my mama thought, I guess my mama thought I'd call her from the afterlife or something <laughs> when I talked to her. I was like, mama, I'm here. I'm like, I'm talking to you. I called you. I'm fine. But you know moms, like, moms go to worst case scenario. Like, that's just, I don't know what it is about being a mom, but if your child call you with some, some dangerous shit, like, they freak out. <laughs> it, started, it started making me say, am I presenting this wrong? I don't need to start off with my car was on fire. I need to start off with, hey, I'm okay. But that sounds weird, too, because motherfuckers be like, oh, shit, you got cancer. Or something. <laughs> you call people saying, look, I'm okay. There's nothing wrong. Everything is resolved. Motherfuckers working themselves up at that point. So, <laughs> um, but I talk to everyone. You respond to things differently. Like, like I said, I, I don't think that your response was what the average person's response would have been because you were just so like, how you are right now? <laughs> I don't think anybody believed that I was really okay. But this <laughs> moment is right here is me just saying I was, I'm a, I was okay and I am okay and this is why. Number one, first thing, I thought my car was just broken. I was going to have to fix it. I knew it was going to be an engine issue, which meant that because something dislodged in my engine. So that was going to be a big bill. That was going to be three to $5,000 of fixing my car. And so the fact that my car caught on fire made it an insurance claim. So that's number one. Okay, I'm okay. I'm going to get paid for my car. And number two, because I'm moving to Hawaii, I was going to sell my car anyway or potentially ship it over to Hawaii. Uh, the fact that this happened right before I moved means that shipping it would have been something that I shouldn't have did because my car wasn't suitable for much more world, road travel. Um, and um, I'm going to get cut for it now instead of trying to do the hustling, bustling, and paying. Now it's insurance, so it'll probably be a little check, but it'll be a check nonetheless um, versus what I may be able to get off some people. Um, not only that, if I would have sold it, I would have sold it to somebody who would have got a car that was finna fucking hit the, <laughs> like the dust. Um, but the last thing is that, like, I've been doing community work with Restoring Hopes Counseling, the agency that me, Latoria, and Derek started, that me and Latoria are currently running. And I've been asking myself, is it really time for me to move on to the next part of my life? Is it really time for me to stop? community work stop going into the community and go try to be stationary or get an office or seek individual clients or do telehealth or do something that don't put me in the community and my car has been the essence of all of the community work that i've done for the last eight years i've been driving that thing through all parts of birmingham the good parts the bad parts all parts of shelby county deep into the trump world boondocks it's uh, uh, I had a client next to a cotton field one time that we just stood out the side of the cotton field having a session. And it's the epitome of all the work I've done. So if I had any doubts about whether I was making the right decision, the way that I look at it is that the universe or for you, God, or, or, or Buddha or whatever your faith is, the universe answered my question clearly for me through what happened yesterday. So I really, from the moment my car caught on fire, was surprisingly at peace with it happening. And I feel better today than I did the day before yesterday. And I, people don't understand that in the assessment of what happened. 
you know, um, but I do appreciate everybody's concern. Everybody was like, I'm glad you're okay. And I'm glad to feel supported in a moment like this. Um, even though a lot of the people who said that they were supported are relatively strangers and just distant, but like, you just don't realize how much value it is that a lot of people just say they, they hope they glad you okay and whatnot. Yeah. So that was my week. It was wild, but I just wanted to get that out before we start the show because it was going to be in my head to say this stuff before, or I was going to make references to it without y'all knowing. So, but we about, um, I mean, my week was nothing compared to that. <laughs> the only thing that happened to me this week is I got another job. Um, so I will be going back to doing therapy. I was doing less. So, I mean, I really wasn't doing therapy at all in the job that I have now. So I'm transitioning back offering those services and, um, that makes me happy because I feel like that's where I shine, making connections with people, um, helping them through stuff. I feel like that's that's kind of I don't know. I don't want to get all frou frou and be like, <laughs> but I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I feel my most um, useful when I'm doing that, and um, so yeah, I, I'm excited. Um, Mm-hmm. I used on point as a reference. Well, this another job is is looking at me, but I used on point as a reference, and he told them that my face <laughs> mm-hmm. is expressive. I did. <laughs> I didn't expect them to ask that question. Usually, they just ask good shit. Like it's an awkward position when one of your friends trying to get a job, and they be like, "Where are their weaknesses, or where can <laughs> you know they?" The way they asked it though was, "Where can they? What where areas do you think they can grow?" And I was like, I don't even know if this is a growth area, but you know, you can read a face. If she don't like something, then she she gonna you can see it right immediately. <laughs> and but you know, I turned that to a strength. You know, I was like, you know, um, but if, if it's something that she don't like, she is very communicative about it. She will get to the bottom of it and make sure that she understands what you're trying to get her to understand. Um, and you'll know that she understands it by the time it's over if she didn't like it or she didn't understand it or whatever. But that's an awkward question to ask. Yeah, I didn't know what they were gonna. I first of all, yeah, I didn't think they were actually gonna call my references because I had already. They don't know this, but I accepted another job. So like, when she asked me about references, I'm just like, okay, whatever. And then I found out she called all three of my references because she did. So I don't know. I might be getting another offer. It's better than the one I got. I'm just saying, <laughs> might be. Might not be going to the, the the current place, but I don't think it's gonna be better. So we'll see. That was all that happened to me this week. Um, you know, no car issue. My, I've already had my car issues. First, I ran over a fucking fork in the hood ass neighborhood in which the hospital that I work at is located in, and then uh, because I was out with surgery and hadn't cranked my car up, I went out right before trying to go boat. And my fucking car was dead, but no explosions or anything. So, yeah, you get myself lucky. <laughs> yeah, you get. Um, so, but you can Cine, Cinnabon, or Colin. Go, let's go with Cinnabon. Okay. I don't know if it's S Miss S Bun or Cinnabon. I don't want to say it wrong, <laughs> but this came through on Twitter. It was a um, 
it was a BuzzFeed post and <laughs> the title of it, which I was like, the fuck was share. Uh, my boyfriend made me sleep on the couch so he could share bed with his guy friend. Is this normal? Should I be concerned or just forget about it? Girl. <laughs> what? So I haven't read it because I saw that title and I was like, let me say this shit for sure. <laughs> so this is my first time reading about it. Um, so my 26-year-old boyfriend of six months had a guy high school friend come visit last weekend and insisted that they both sleep in his bed. We had all we all had plans to hang out Friday night and I planned to stay at his place. He said I had to sleep on the couch so his friend could sleep in his bed with him. He wasn't really chill about it words were, if we don't sleep in the same bed, I will be very upset with you. I asked why he cared so much, and he said they used to have sleepovers all the time and would stay up and talk. Most of my friends think it's weird that he would want to sleep with his guy friend over me, and so do I. I don't want to make a, a big deal about it because I'm dramatic, but I just felt kind of hurt by it. I need a guy's opinion on this. Is this normal? Should I be concerned or just forget about it? Damn. <laughs> That does not sound good. <laughs> but she wanted a guy's opinion, so take it away on point. <laughs> I feel like I need to know more about the boyfriend. I think that knowing more about the boyfriend will give me some insight. Okay. Because if the boyfriend is a childlike boyfriend and he perceived this as a sleepover, pillow fort type shit. At 26. Uh, that's why I'm saying the variable is that he would be a childish ass 26 year old. You know, we'd be mean grown men that'd be like stuck in their eight year old selves. True. If he's that kind of guy, I can see that. However, <laughs> you don't have to accept that fucking standard. You is in a fucking relationship, boy. <laughs> and you got to understand that relationships like, I, but that's another part is why would his friend be okay with that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like maybe there's two more on these <laughs> because. But okay. look, look, look. Let me, okay, let me let me answer the question. I'm gonna ask the question. Um, shit's not normal, okay? But normal just really means you know society shit. You know what I'm saying? Normal just means what everybody do. So a lot of people do some shit out the norm. I mean, we got a whole BDSM community where motherfuckers is chained up <laughs> or sleeping in a. Uh, 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 a chest while they partner is sleeping in the bed. You know, it's, it's so much different weird shit out there. Um, I guess the real essence of the question is that everybody's thinking, is this some sexual type shit? Like, is this some kind of attraction? Does this have something to do with the idea that they may want to get it in? Um, and I don't think so. I don't think so. If he wanted to be fucking that man, he'll be doing that shit outside of the night that his friend coming to sleep over. It sounds like a one-off, isolated time where he came over to sleep. So I'm not even looking at it as a sexual component. Why would you need to sleep in the bed? Like, so normally what happens when somebody's in a relationship and they have a friend come over is that that friend sleeps on the couch and then you and your significant other sleep in the bed. Now, y'all may stay up half the night in the living room talking and shit. But never have I experienced or seen a situation in which it's like, no, it's going to be us in the room and you won't have And weird. I think that's the part that's most throwing me off because ideally, I would 
me and my homeboy would be on the couch and my lady would go go to the bed when she got ready to go to sleep. Yeah. And if I was going to crash with my homeboy all night and we were going to talk, then we'll just do that in the living room. He wants to I be don't know kid. why it has to be in the bedroom. And that's another question. Like, what do they space look like? You know what I'm saying? Like, they space might not accommodate a comfortable living room talking situation. But I'm putting money on him just being like a, a, a like a childish grown man who is trying to relive out how they sleepovers used to be when he was little. And he is it's costing him what in this moment his respect for you and his consideration of you and so um i think this is one of those moments where you need to challenge him he said he gonna be very mad if she don't let you have it it's some moments in your relationships then where you just gonna have to be very mad if you got a person like that and y'all just gonna have to recover from that shit but you can't be held hostage by the idea that you're damn very mad if you don't let him do something that you don't think he should do I mean, it's already clear in this relationship that um, he's painted this image of you as dramatic that you've adopted. And so you're trying to modify and change your behavior to not look dramatic. But that's at the cost of uh, accepting some shit that you know ain't right. Because if you <laughs> thought it was right, you wouldn't have wrote a letter to somebody asking, is this shit normal? So I don't think you should let it go. If this is the only moment that this happened and it's cool, then I would press him on why that was so important. More so, I would try to get an answer before you tell me why. I need a before I say yes, that's cool. I need a full blown understanding of why y'all need why you need to have him sleep in the bed and me on the couch. He told her because they used to have sleepovers as children. Mm, that's and not stay up and talk all night. That's not good enough. They can do that shit on the on the couch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, everybody in America knows what the bedroom is for yeah. when it comes to two people. You know, so. You're not doing a good job at convincing me that this is not some secret sexual thing that y'all are trying to get into. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I do understand. Like, I know you said so because this is how my mind works. I know you said you know it, it would be odd for him to even tell her to sleep on the couch when he was trying to have some sexual stuff go on. But it that could be an indirect way of getting her to be like, well, I'm not staying. If I got to sleep on the couch, I'm gonna go home. And he gets out of. <laughs> having to ask her just not to fucking come over by asking her to do something that's fucking ridiculous. Listen, I just think there are too many ways for him to fuck that man if he wanted to do that. If that's what he wanted to do, like, they could have met anywhere. They could have, like, babe, we're going out to the bar. I mean, that he could have done anything to get with his guy and have sex. It would take a certain level of boldness to invite this man to your house with your woman there who thinks you completely straight, sit her in the living room, and then fuck that man in the bedroom. <laughs> it, it takes a level of boldness and stupidity. Um, and and she would have heard something. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, unless they just wanted to suck each other's meat silently, <laughs> I don't, you know, it just don't make sense that it w was really sexual. So I'm just processing it from a maladaptive, um, abnormal non-sexual perspective and i just think that she probably got a childish childish grown man that she need to learn to be more assertive with and don't let herself become in or feel invalidated by his ideas of what dramatic looks like because i mean dramatic is just being perceived as dramatic is just based on somebody's threshold of understanding drama you might not be dramatic at all. You might be appropriately responding to stuff, and he's calling you dramatic because he's a person that's...
never liked confrontation and they never liked being in front of shit. So he used words to make you feel uncomfortable about doing it and you've adopted it. And you should not adopt that. You should challenge this man on all of his shit. He is in a relationship now. If you are in a relationship and you are not comfortable with challenge your, challenging your mate or your mate is not be comfortable with being challenged, then y'all need to work your ways towards being okay with being challenging, challenging, because that is a part of relationship. And at some point in the relationship with that person, y'all are going to need to challenge each other. That's healthy communication. Yeah. And so the essence of this is, um, no, it's not normal. Um, if this is not a, a recurring thing, then probably not be concerned about it. But the next time this comes up, you need to be more assertive. You need to tell him what you want. And you need to let him know that if you want to spend all night with your homeboy, you don't do that shit in the living room because this is our fucking bed, not your bed for you to make whatever decisions that you want. You know, um, you know, the petty side of me say, you know, invite one of your girlfriends over and be like, I'm going to sleep in the bed with her. You get take your motherfucking ass to the living room. <laughs> but that ain't really healthy. That's passive aggression. So mm-hmm. confront him, be assertive, let him know what you want, let him know what the fuck ain't going to happen and then go about it that way. You're not dramatic. Well, you could be dramatic, but we'll assume you're not dramatic. You need to be assertive with this man, and he's going to have to accept your dramatic ass if you are. I wish he chose you. nigga would come and say, hey, me and my friend going to sleep in the bed, and you going to be on the couch. What? Like, I feel like these kind of things wouldn't happen to me. And I might be wrong, and I might be coming on the show one day and be like, y'all ain't going to believe what the fuck this nigga said. But, like, so far in life, <laughs> no. Because what the fuck? Like, you're joking, right? Like, you're not serious. Because if you're serious, we got a goddamn problem. <laughs> we got a goddamn whole problem. Got a whole ass problem. But, yeah. Thank you, Miss Buns. That shit was hilarious. Like I said, as soon as I saw that title, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> if you got to ask if it's weird, it's probably fun. Listen, look, and don't, don't let your partner sleep in the bed alone with somebody else. If you don't want that shit to happen. Okay. Base that on what you want. You know what I'm saying? That's what we call boundaries. Boundaries are limits that you have for yourself that you're not willing to cross the threshold over. It don't have nothing to do with the other person unless they cross your boundaries. And if a boundary is this fucking bed is mine and you don't want somebody else sleeping in the bed with your partner, then even if it's innocent, then tell them no, no. Go spend all night with this motherfucker on the goddamn living room floor, but not not the bed, you know. So weird. Um, so that's what I got for that one. All right, what did Colin send us? So we got we got letters from Colin, but we also got something from Cat. Oh, and, okay. And Cat come by the way of a Facebook post. Okay. That uh that we gonna talk about. Okay. Am I gonna get upset? No. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Depend on your your past. Oh Jesus! Name some mental health red flags that people fall in love with while dating. And we're just <laughs> gonna go down the comments and see what people talking about. Okay, um, it's a lot of comments, so you know when they start to give up on it. Okay. Um. First comment. Um. Swept off of feet immediately and being love bombed. Mm-hmm. Do you Maybe. think that's a mental health red flag? I don't think it's a mental health red. I mean, there are some people that are 
um, I don't want to say a little more lovey, but you know, you have people that, um, what are they, the love languages are different. And I wouldn't say love bomb means they got a mental health. That's heavy, that's some heavy terminology to lay on somebody. So no, I don't think I agree with that one. I think it's possible. Um, I think that the essence of this uh, comment to me is that a person falls in love with the representative so fast and so hard that they don't yeah. give an opportunity to regulate. And I think sometimes the gap between who that representative is and who the person is after they regulate are is so big yeah. that they don't fucked up because they head over fucking hills now with somebody that they wouldn't choose if they knew who that was at the very from the very beginning. Yes. And so I think that scenario is yes, that is a mental health red flag, but not always. Like yeah. Red said, sometimes it's just somebody who is very passionate and affectionate, and that's just how they love. Mm -hmm. Um, just make sure they keep that fucking shit up. Yeah. All right. Uh Oversharing slash no boundaries in conversation. Yeah, I would say yes to that. And I've had that happen. It's, first of all, let me just say, if you're a mental health professional, <laughs> what I found in data, I don't know if you found this on point, but like when you tell people what you do, <laughs> it's like they're, they feel so much more comfortable telling you shit. And it's like, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> I don't know. I it, it go one, it go it can go either way. Either you say I'm a mental health counselor and they be like, "Oh, you analyzing me?" and then they start really being specific about what they actually tell you. Yeah. Or they be comfortable as fuck with telling you, but I think that's a testament to the kind of person that he is. The the extrovert versus the introvert, the yeah. oversharer versus the the person who is really reserved. I think that's based on the person. It, and I guess that depends on what are they oversharing about, right? Like I always, my little antenna always goes up if I'm, I'm on a date with somebody on the first date and they're talking about how their last relationship ended. <laughs> like they're all, like nobody even asked you for it. Like, so I feel like it, what are they oversharing about? Because some things are going to be red flags and some things may just be, they just like talking. <laughs> Well, I guess, so the question is, what mental health red flags do people fall in love with? I would think that the oversharing and no boundaries in conversation means that somebody will fall in love with that who is a little bit over-possessive and um, like the, the girlfriend that would be wanting to check your phone and stuff. I feel like knowing everything about everything that she can know about or he can know about would be ideal for them. So I yeah. think they end up liking a person who overshares like that. Or maybe somebody, I mean, again, it goes with personality. You have people who romanticize every little thing. And so somebody may look at it and be like, oh, he's so much, he's comfortable with me and he trusts me. You know, we got this vibe and he just felt so comfortable in telling me this about himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Translating. <laughs> Translating all that communication into trust. Yes. When they really just don't have a filter or a boundary on how to stop telling about their life. And it has nothing to do with you specifically, but they take it as, oh, this we have such a connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thinking jealousy is sweet or cute. Oh, Jesus. That's a big one. It's a huge one. And a lot of 
I can't even say a, it's a, you know, I, I've had teenagers um, in session who've been talking about, you know, their relationship. And I'm like, that don't, that's not sweet. <laughs> that's not controlling than a motherfucker. Like, um, you know, that, that one is huge. People take that as, oh, he really cares. And he just, you know, he, he's jealous and he just doesn't want anybody else to steal me from him. And it's like, no, he or she, cause women do, can do this too. Um, may just be really, really controlling. And so, yeah, that's definitely a red flag. And, you know, I get my theory behind that, the existence of that idea is that when when you treat a person like a possession, um, you start to treat them like one. And I think that, it, like, if you think about a family heirloom, how close you're expected to hold this possession that has value, mm-hmm. I think that people start treating people like that when you see them as a possession, when you see them as mine, like, that's the concept of ownership, especially in monogamy. As y'all know, I'm non-monogamous, you know, but monogamy has this component of you belong to me and we got to figure out how to make sure we belong to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad thing in its healthy forms, but like when it's unhealthy, like ownership being like, oh, when you're jealous of me, that means that you value me a lot. You know what I'm saying? He that, doesn't want me to hang out with anybody else. He just wants to spend all his time. He just wants me for himself. Yeah. You know, that's unhealthy unhealthy versions of that shit yeah yeah all of that shit could lead to the ugly place that you don't want to be not at all you're the only person in my life that i can trust and have started seeing the i don't really have friends thing as a massive red flags and friendships too so yeah i because here's the thing um I don't think that you have to have a large circle of friends. Actually, I think it's probably better just to have that small, close-knit group. But when you don't have no friends and no no connections, it doesn't seem with anybody outside of this dating relationship that you have with me, that's concerning to me. Um, because it isn't even about the number of friends, but you don't have no friends. <laughs> mm. Like, that's concerning. Um, because again, I, I mean, I have, I have my little group, which mostly is my close friends are, are the podcast group that we have. And cause we, you know, all of them are people that I know I can call if I need some shit or some shit go left, they gonna come. Um, and it's not a large group of us, you know what I'm saying? It's not a ton of us, but I have friends. <laughs> and so that's, that's concerning to me when, People don't have good relationships with any of their. They don't have any close friendships. That's that's concerning. There's a reason for that. Very much so. Um, you're the only person in my life that I can trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, if everybody else that they have trusted before are no longer trustworthy, then what is the criteria by which they don't trust you at some point? Yeah. Like, what has the what have those people done to impact that trust, and what can you do to impact it? It sounds like that person has a really low threshold for allowing people to be trusted in their life. And, you know, generally, I don't like this whole don't trust nobody shit. Like, you'll see NBA Youngboy and other rappers tweet, don't trust nobody shit. And I understand it from their life experience, you know, but I don't think the I don't think the answer to that is not trust anybody. I think the answer is to create a more significant filter for trust in yourself so that you learn better who to trust and who not to trust. Yeah. You know, 
just saying I don't trust nobody after you know somebody breaks your trust is just a, casting a wide net on a thing that you really just need to learn how to do better instead yeah. of getting rid of that whole fucking system all at once. Yeah. Just be a better judge of people. Like you gotta look at <laughs> what did I miss? Yeah. Um the next one, mixed signals disguised as mysterious or free spiritness, spiritedness. And I've seen that shit. Yeah. I've seen that shit. Yeah. I mean, basically, you know, because have you met people that's free spirited? I think it's more free spirited women than men, you know? So I don't know how much you've seen that. (laughs) But like free spirited women like are are just just a different experience, you know, like um but I could I've seen where them not wanting to be in a relationship with a person has been masked over in saying stuff like, you know, um, I don't want to be tied down or I just want to be um, free or I just want to explore myself right now. Like, guess be clear about what your intentions are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, niggas do that too. They do. They mask it on they mask it in other bullshit though. Like yeah, they do. really Niggas really just, they drag your ass, they drag your ass down the street <laughs> by a rope. You know, be like, I, I'll, you'll be up here with me soon. You know, <laughs> you know, like they just bullshitting you the whole time is, is going on that they trying to figure it out. Or they be like, you know, I ain't ready yet. You know, I've been drugged down like that though. Like Ooh, this, this girl, this girl, I don't want to rela- be in a relationship to me into a whole ass relationship. Oh my god! How do they do that? It's amazing, it's like a magic trick. Bruh, she did that. <laughs> I was like, I was offering her shit. Like she had rides to work and different a place to yeah. go when she was tired of being on campus on her side of the city. Yeah. And so like she was like, look, I ain't finna give this shit up. Yeah. You know. And then she posted a status on Facebook about somebody that wasn't me, and I talked text her, and she was like, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm younger, and I'm like. And I'm younger and optimistic. I mean, I wasn't stupid when I was young, but I was optimistic. Yeah. I mean, to her because, you know, I had determined that she was a trustworthy person until I found out that it wasn't. And, like, I, again, I didn't say I don't want to trust nobody now. I said she's not trustworthy, and there was a whole bunch of red flags that I have to look out now for in the future to determine that a person that has those kind of red flags is not a trustworthy person. So she did that shit, boy. I was like, mm, okay. Yep. But, you know, I'm optimistic. So, you know, what I saw is like, one, she fucked up because I'm the fucking prize. You know, number two, um, if somebody exposes something about themselves that is not a desirable quality that you didn't know about, then they just expose themselves as somebody that you don't want to be with anyway. Like, even if she would change her mind after that and be like, I'll be with you. Why would I want to be with her at that point? It wouldn't make sense. (laughs) You know, um, this person said fake vulnerability. They put full vulnerability, but Um, fake vulnerability. I don't really know what that looked like. Yeah. I mean, you're cause you're not going to know. I don't know. Okay. So under the comment, it says uh, somebody asked to explain an example of this. And the pathology behind it. Uh, and she said, it's the tactic R. Kelly used to hook his wife, told her about his inability to read and ask her to teach him. His fake vulnerability made her feel special and valued. Okay. I mean, I guess I could see. Yeah. 
that's an extreme version. Yeah, and it and that's not. But R. Kelly really could read though. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know that you could call it a red flag because with, with that one, you're not gonna know it was fake until it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not something that you can see and be like, oh, you know. Um, it's not the same as somebody being overly possessive where you can see that as a red flag of like, oh, I let me do something different or this isn't good. You're not going to know that that person isn't actually being vulnerable with you until you catch them in the lie. And <laughs> so I, like, I don't know is, how you could look at it and, and it be a red flag and a warning to you. And I think this is answering a different question, really. I think this is answering the question, um, what kind of bullshit do people use to lure people into relationships? Yeah. You know, more yes. so than answering the question that, about you know, was posed. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not um, going to know until later about a fake yeah. vulnerability because it seems real and genuine in the beginning. Yeah. And in her example, that shit was real because R. Kelly ain't never he read a contract. Three. Jesus. R. Kelly is an extreme. That's an extreme example. Um... I'm reading down some of them just to see because some of them answering the different questions. Okay, and I can't. Oh, see. a controlling individual presenting as a protector. Yeah, yep, that is. And again, it's like there's a difference between being concerned about somebody and trying to control their behavior and everything that they do. Um, and I think that you kind of have to know the difference between that. Um, you know, I don't know. I was going to use a movie example, but I won't. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I mean, you know, that's one of them things that, that men do, I guess, uh, because the protector is almost exclusively a man's role. Yeah. And so there are a lot of men who say, I will protect you. And it's like, holding you behind him. It's like, imagine somebody standing with a gun and, and you holding them behind you, except they not doing it under duress. They're just holding a person behind them because that theoretical protector role means that I make all the decisions. Mm -hmm. I, I control our home. You mm -hmm. can't go here. You can't go there. That's not really a protector. That's like a fucking overlord of the relationship. And those kind of look for damsels, damsels in distress. So they're going to look for a woman who's who's seeking out that because they may not have had it in their formative years. Yeah. They know how to pick them. Mm -hmm. Like I, they would never date me. <laughs> um, thinking their partner wanting to know where they are 24 seven is sweet and caring. That's back to the controlling. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, this is a very specific one. Like I said, if you talk about question, you find young kids, teenagers that are in relationships, think that a person wanting to know their every move and making them turn on the like they location and stuff. That location, it's like endearing somehow. It's the worst shit. Of, yes, um, stalking you on your social media and saying, "Well, you told me you were asleep, but at nine forty-seven, <laughs> you posted a status." Like that's not sweet. That's concerning. If you can't be okay with somebody being somewhere that you don't know where they at, then you got a problem. That's a problem. You got to be okay with your partner being able to have their own autonomy, individual autonomy in their relationship. 
Um, now that don't mean that don't mean that they at the end of the day what you do today and they be like it's none of your business. Yeah, it's more so like you should not have this desire before they do anything to want to know what they finna do <laughs> and when they're doing something to have to know what they're doing and where they at. If you're incessantly checking the location of your significant other, that's problematic. <laughs> like, if you constantly like check in to make sure they really, that's it's an issue. Yeah. Um. Their location shit is trash. What it, it, its intended use is good, but what is used for is trash. Yeah. So we'll stop it right there. I mean, there's a whole bunch more of them, but like. This was a good thread. Maybe we can come back to it in the future and, and go through some more. Yeah. Um, But we got a lot of stuff to do, so yeah. let's, Thanks, let's keep Kat. going. Appreciate you, Kat. What did uh, Colin say? What did Colin say? Colin oh. got several posts. So, my, I think it's Michael's wife followed me on Instagram. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because his it's Julian Black, so that I was like, yeah. She must be connected to Michael. <laughs> so, matter of fact, he did send us something on. He sent us something on, on Facebook. Michael? Yeah. I now that you mentioned his name. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me go find out what it was. Um, yeah, I was like, that's kind of cool. I'm... I know. Oh, what's that? No, nah, I was just going to say it's cool that she, she yeah. must listen to the show in order for her to have found me. Facebook that changed all this shit and they I'm like, I can't find my anymore. I'm so mad. They what the hell are my pages that I, 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 I fucking control? Oh my god. I gotta search it. You gotta <laughs> search this shit. They keep fucking up. Like These updates are garbage. Um, Messages. Oh my god. <laughs> That's garbage, man. Okay, just, he basically sent the best wishes he could for Trump um, before oh. the election. It was the day before oh. the election. He sent us the best you, wishes Michael. he could before the election. Your, and I your, feel your like vibes you, I feel like your vibe specifically yes. are what turned the whole tie to this whole thing. Yes, It's like the butterfly fly effect. You know, a butterfly <laughs> fa- flapping his wings over in England may be causing a tornado over in England. I mean, over in uh, India. So, your wishes move some shit. Thank you. Cause that appreciate you for that. Okay. Fucking Facebook. Fucking Facebook. I can't find my notes. Like one day I could find them and then the next day I fucking couldn't. They're gone. I don't know where they are. How to access them. Stupid. Because where they were is not there anymore. Okay. So Thanksgiving Reddit posts. Am I the asshole? Oh my god. Would I be the asshole if I didn't make my entire Thanksgiving dinner kosher, parv, dairy-free, and gluten-free just to accommodate one person? Damn. Last Thanksgiving, my fiancé's brother brought his girlfriend Sarah over for dinner. I was informed beforehand that Sarah was Jewish and only ate kosher, so I made sure not to use any pork products and double-checked that all my ingredients were kosher and parv. She picked up the food and didn't eat any of it for reasons I don't know. Not to toot my own horn, but I'm an exceptional cook and the food was delicious. And everyone cleaned their plate and got seconds. So I have no idea why Sarah wouldn't eat my food. Back in the summer, they came to visit us. We have a huge yard with a pool, so we stayed outside and grilled and enjoyed the sunshine. 
I made grilled chicken kebabs, Angus beef burgers, Italian-style pasta salad, and a strawberry cake. Again, I made sure everything was kosher and parb, and I used no pork products. Sarah didn't eat anything, saying that she was also not eating dairy or gluten by choice, not due to allergies. I offered her a chicken kebab or a burger with the bun, and she said no. She literally stared at us while we ate. It was very awkward. My fiance and I are having Thanksgiving dinner at our house again this year. I've had enough of catering to Sarah's dietary needs. I'll make a salad and a side of grilled chicken for her, but everything else in my spread will be full of gluten and dairy. My fiance agrees that we've been more than accommodating in the past and we shouldn't have to change how we eat and celebrate our holidays for one person. His brother and mother think that's harsh and it would be wrong to eat things like cheesy potatoes and cake in front of Sarah knowing she can't, won't eat that. If I said if Sarah wanted to, she could bring a dish that she's able to eat and I would gladly heat it up for her, but I wouldn't be going out of my way to purchase ingredients that I otherwise wouldn't use in my home or make anything more than a salad and grilled chicken for her. I also know for a fact that Sarah enjoys to go out to eat a few times a week, so it's, I know it's not a fear of cross-contamination of foods or not having a kosher kitchen. Even still, I worry if I don't make my entire meal kosher, parf, dairy-free, and gluten-free, and only give her a salad that she'll think I'm an asshole. Fuck Sarah. Sarah is on some bullshit, okay? Now, listen, all right? You, you know, catered to her being kosher and she basically spit that shit in your face by not eating the food because then she want to add all this other shit that she don't do that she's do not doing by choice not by out of necessity you know how hard it is to make a fucking meal gluten-free gluten isn't everything okay and sarah's being an asshole so no i don't think you would be being an asshole you're still going to provide an option for her and she may probably ain't gonna eat that shit anyway because as of yet it don't sound like she didn't eat shit at your house before so catering to that shit no no ma'am nope i don't think you would be an asshole i think sarah's an asshole i don't know why you ever gave a fuck about creating a whole meal based off of sarah like <laughs> bro i don't give a fuck if she put a goddamn sleeping mask over her eyes while we eat goddamn i don't give a fuck which my parents would tell me Oh, I think Sarah wouldn't want to see us eating pork. What the <laughs> fuck? Why the fuck that my problem? <laughs> Motherfucker can't be goddamn not eating pork in a pork ass eating world and what, not wanting to see that shit. <laughs> you either need to cut your eyes out or get used to seeing motherfuckers eat pork. But see, th th these questions be indicating how fucked up families be on this shit. Yeah. Like one whole ass girlfriend Wait, in a whole a family. Family member. She's not a family member. This is a fucking girlfriend. You. This, and things like this make me appreciate Cole Jackson. Cole Jackson, and he's going to fucking kill me. I can never remember which one he is. Is he vegan or vegetarian? He's vegetarian. He's vegetarian. Okay. Cole Jackson is vegetarian. We have get-togethers, and at no point has he behaved the way that Sarah has behaved. You know, all of us try to uh, be accommodating. You know, we provide some kind of vegetarian, um, okay <laughs> food, and he'll bring his own shit sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But, like, at no point is he, like, I can't believe you guys are eating that. Or just staring at us. Like, and he never does that. He never fucking does that. He don't even mention that shit. Like, we mention it. Like, when we planted something, we mention it. And we're like, oh, we got to get something for Cole. But he never mentions the shit. Like, so when I see people like Sarah, it just makes me appreciate well, him so much more. Well, to be fair, Sarah never requested this. You know, Sarah never asked this family to change their whole cooking shit.
acting like a bitch. And yeah, that she... ain't her want to change it because she was making them feel uncomfortable. Is somebody just staring at you with a with a weird face while you trying to eat? She trying to avoid that awkwardness again. The problem is the her her uh her fiance's brother, right? Yeah. And then the problem is the family that they're engulfed in that will accommodate this girlfriend. And there's families like that. Like there are families that change all of their shit to make a new person to the family feel comfortable with the family. And I think that's like a family trauma type thing, man. I don't think, man, clearly your family is on the opposite end. Your family roast everybody and will roast <laughs> that motherfucker when they get there. That's that's the opposite end of that shit. It's like, we're going to try to make you want to leave. And if you stay, we'll accept you. But some families be like, we're going to try to make you stay and we'll do everything we can to get you to stay. Your family ain't that. No, we roast the fuck because here's the thing: we don't want you to feel left out because we roast each other. And so I feel like it's more awkward for us to ignore you and just be fu- like, so you know, we 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 include people. <laughs> do you have a worst Thanksgiving story? Uh yes, I do. What's what's your worst Thanksgiving? So my cousin likes to bring uh, random bitches to Thanksgiving. Oh, when he brought the white girl. The white girl. Okay. Um. Well, that one, and when I had to stop my mama for jumping on a police officer. <laughs> what the fuck? Look, my that cousin, be the one. What the hell? Listen, listen. Your so, mama was finna jump on a police officer. He, my cousin was dating him. Does that make it better? <laughs> okay. He was a dickhead. That, sound, that do make it better because I was okay. I was thinking not a random ass Black Lives Matter out here. Goddamn. No, it was a. My cousin was dating this police officer that we all hated, okay? But even when we hate something, we ain't going to be disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, and this is how you know we didn't like him. One, nobody roasted him. We just fucking ignored him because we was over it. By by this point in their relationship, everybody was fucking over it. So we just kind of ignored him. And we, we go to Tennessee for Thanksgiving all the time. And we were coming back from Tennessee and we stopped at some mall in Tennessee. I don't even remember which one, but him and my cousin had got into it and she was upset. My cousin's dramatic, okay? And you met Crystal. She's dramatic. I love her, but she's dramatic. So she got out of the van. We had rented a van for all of us to go up there and like went in the mall and she was upset. And he just sat there her and, and get her uh, while he had a whole ass attitude uh, driving the van all crazy. So I'm sitting in the back with my mom and she stood up and I was like, what you doing? And she was like, I'm tired of this shit. And I was like, Ma, you can't. <laughs> like, what you finna go up there and do? <laughs> Sit down. And she was like, no, I'm tired of this. He been acting like this this whole trip. Ain't nobody said nothing. And I'm tired. And I was like, Ma, okay, but this ain't your place. Like, that's her boyfriend. If I'm Brenda don't want to say something, fine. But you need to sit down. She really was finna go up here. <laughs> and verbally assault this man. <laughs> she was pissed. Uh, and he was just, oh my God, you know, Eeyore from uh, Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. that was my nickname for him because that is about how much fucking personality he had. We was so tired of him. He had like fucked that whole trip up for us, just being the gloom and doom, like Eeyore the whole goddamn time. We was over. We was over. Um, I did finally get my mom to sit the fuck down and not go up there, but she was ready. <laughs> she was like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of it. We've been dealing with it all day <laughs> and I'm tired. <laughs> no. Um, so usually it's like it's it's 
I haven't had a bad Thanksgiving where it was people actually in my family. It's always it's always been boyfriends and girlfriends because mm. it was my cousin's little white girlfriend or whatever she the fuck was to him, who was very obviously a recovering addict. It was like a whole situation with her. But it don't never be nobody in the family. It just be who the fuck they people they bring to Thanksgiving. The same way Sarah about trying to fuck up shit. So my worst Thanksgiving was like, so my mom is a very religious woman, mm -hmm. um, devoutly so. And my mom hears God talking to her all the time, telling her all kinds of shit. And my mama said, uh, God told me not to eat your aunt's food. <laughs> and I'm like, mama. He write this down. Was the email is like, do you have any concrete evidence that God got a problem with this? Like, I be like, Mama, just own your shit. Tell me that you don't want to eat her goddamn nasty ass food. Tell me that. That make me feel better. I, and sometimes it feels like Mama used God as a scapegoat for shit that she don't want to uncomfortably confront. You know, but I don't believe my mama's a liar. So if she gonna say that it's God, I'm gonna believe that it's God. Maybe she just don't understand or know other ways to confront it, but that's what it be. And so I was like, you know what, mama, I'll come there and I'm going to cook Thanksgiving for everybody. Ain't nobody else going to touch no damn food. I'm going to cook every fucking thing. And she was like, okay. And so I'm like, okay. So I started cooking. And so the second year that I cooked, uh, and this was after my grandma died too. So it's like everybody was trying to deal with some shit. And so we were there eating, and my granddaddy was there. You know, he's just an 84-year-old nigga that just want a fucking Dr. Pepper. Because my aunt, who lived with him now, won't let him drink sodas. Uh, he'd been drinking sodas his whole fucking life. My grandmama had Sprites all the time, you know, for him, because he fucking love them. And she won't let him drink that shit now. So my granddaddy was drinking Dr. Peppers all night long, you know. And my brother asked him, Hey, granddaddy, how's the Dr. Pepper? Good. All right, cool. Well, you know, his old body ain't ready for that shit no more. So what happened was my granddaddy was, he went to the kitchen. We was in the dining room. He went to the kitchen and sat at the chair that he used to sit in. And my aunt looked in there and said, hey, daddy never sit in that chair. I wonder why he in there now. And just didn't think that it was something wrong and just got down, just kept up. And he had an ice cream cone. And my brother turned around and looked at him and he was trying to sit the ice cream cone on the table and my brother was the only one that had enough sense to be like i'm gonna go in here and watch granddaddy <laughs> and so he got up and went in the kitchen and my granddaddy like kind of like eyes rolled back in his head and he fell back and he just started throwing up and throwing up and it looked like he was having a seizure um but really his body was just getting rid of all this dr pepper that he ain't got no business fucking drinking and so we called an ambulance and this moment showed me that my family is utter useless, utterly useless in an emergency situation. <laughs> Apparently, me and my brother are the only effective motherfuckers. At, at the end of all of that, my uncle said, I want Eddie and JD to be around me when I get ready to get ready to go. Cause they cause my, my cousin and my aunt disappeared because they thought granddaddy was fucking dying. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck my mama went. <laughs> uncle Terry was just froze, shaking and shit. And I'm like, what the hell wrong with all of y'all? JD was like, 
called the police and I looked around and seen everybody fucking dispersing the places that wasn't helpful. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go call the police. So I called the police and said, hey, we got an emergency at this address, blah, blah, blah. And, but after my granddaddy got rid of that, you know, shit, and he was just sitting there, just picked up his ice cream, and the police, uh, the emergency people got there, and they was like, uh, what year is it? <laughs> and he was like, 2017, or whatever year it was. They asked him who's the president. He said, uh, no, it had to be before 2017, because the president answer was Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was when Obama was the president. And they was like, where are you right now? He was like, in my kitchen. <laughs> and that was it. And um, that was like, it was the worst Thanksgiving because it was potentially the worst Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't bad, but I, that that's the Thanksgiving I remember of all the Thanksgivings in my life where we thought Granddad was going to kick the fucking bucket in front of us on a holiday. So we, like, I that's what I hate. I hate when people have a trauma that happened on a special day. Oh, yeah. And so now you can never celebrate like motherfuckers who mamas died on mama's Mother's Day and shit. My mom's <laughs> mom died the day before. No, the funeral was the day after her birthday or the day before her birthday. And I was like, why y'all like we can't push that shit. Like, don't put that so close to her fucking birthday. <laughs> now, every year on her birthday, she's going to be sad about her mom. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Nobody listened though. So whatever. Fuck them. <laughs> but yeah. Um fuck Sarah. Fuck Sarah. What's your favorite you got favorite Thanksgiving foods? Dressing, yams. Dressing and yams. Because I can get everything else the rest of the year, but like dressing and yams around Thanksgiving is one. I mean I could cook at any time during the year, but I'm just saying. I went, abundance. I went to a food truck that had some damn sweet potatoes and dressing, and I got some of the dressing. And it reinforced how delicious my dressing is. <laughs> dressing was not great. Everything else he do is good. That dressing was not good. But his sweet potatoes, I don't even like sweet potatoes like that. But <gasps> whatever the fuck he did to them sweet potatoes, god damn. I eat sweet potatoes like a crazy person. I love sweet potatoes. He By said, themselves. He said he cut them up into quarters and then he bake them. Mm-hmm. And then he saute them and toss them in the butter sugar mix my mom does that man that shit was good like i'm thinking about doing that shit this year instead of my um instead of my sweet potato souffle but i fuck with my sweet potato souffle though so yeah my mom that's how my mom does it she'd be so good Mm -hmm. i mean like the motherfuckers um but yeah i like dressing i've been making my own cranberry sauce for the last three years which is very easy i don't do cranberry sauce Ah man, I do cranberry sauce. I just you you boil the cranberries with a little bit of water. I put some uh, orange liqueur in them this time, kind of like to cut a little bit of the bitterness mm-hmm. uh, because it it gives you that orange flavor, but it also cooks out the alcohol in it, and they jelly up real nicely with your own flavors, your own amount of sweetness. I mean, don't get me wrong, that uh, jellied cranberry sauce is a, a staple. I still buy some of that. But I use my own. That should be so good. And I got a dude out here that smoke turkeys. Mm. Um, I don't know if I want to smoke turkey this year, man. He also smoked ribs and butts at the same time. I think I'm going to get a smoked pork butt from him. Our Thanksgiving has been canceled this year because of fucking COVID. Like, Mine too. We normally go to Huntsville, but my um, aunt sent us all a mass text message. was like, not this year. <laughs> and they have health problems, so I get why they don't want a bunch of motherfuckers in their house. 
And and I was gonna fly to North Carolina with my uh, to be with my dad and my grandma. I just don't want to drive seven hours. I do not like driving. I mm-hmm. would have to stop several times and fall asleep. So I was gonna fly, and then the numbers are going up, and so I was like, I don't want to give y'all no risk. So I ain't gonna yeah. go up there. So I've been doing friendsgiving for the last few years. So I'm gonna do friendsgiving. If you're a part, if you're in Birmingham, if you're listening and you in Birmingham, hit me up if you want to come and get a plate. You want to see what deliciousness is about. Because I give you a plate. We, you don't even have to come stop and exchange pleasantries. Just tell me what you want on your plate. I'll fix it for you. Come pick it up and leave. I'm okay <laughs> with that arrangement. I don't have to have that uncomfortable sit down and talk, you know, about random shit just because you get getting something from somebody and you feel like it's your duty to, you know, at least pretend like you want to be having a conversation, yeah. even though I'm a pleasant motherfucker to talk with. You don't have to. It's your choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Was so, that it for his? Did he have another one? He got two more letters that he two sent. Two more. Do. Yeah, we probably ain't gonna do no news today. It ain't really shit happening okay. in the news outside of real bullshit that we don't want to come. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's let's choose between these two and maybe do another one next week. Um, you choose. Okay. Am I the asshole for firing our nanny after I heard her body shaming me? Or am I the asshole for calling my white girlfriend a mayo mama? <laughs> oh, both of those. Are, let's go with mayo mama because it's just it's all weird. right. Am I the asshole for calling my white girlfriend a mayo mama? Okay, so this sounds ridiculous, but bear with me. I, a 28 year old male, am African American. My girlfriend will call her Susie. A 26-year-old female is white, and obviously so is her family. They're pretty chill, and we've never had a problem and live in a fairly liberal part of the country. Now, a while back, we were fooling around making fun of each other, and I called her a mayo mama. It was kind of an instant regret thing, but she found it hilarious, and now it's my pet name for her. Anyway, we had to drop some stuff off for her mom the other day because she doesn't like leaving the house too much at the moment because of you-know-what. So we were talking for a little while and the pet name slipped out. I never said it in front of anyone before because I understand people might find it odd. And boy, her parents did not like it. They started saying I was being racist and clearly have double standards. Susie tried to tell them to be quiet and she said that she liked the nickname. And if she doesn't feel offended by it, then they shouldn't speak for her. But they persisted and her dad came out with one of the funniest things I've heard someone say to me in the most sincere way possible. How would you feel if she called you her chocolate daddy? <laughs> I started laughing and Susie tried to hide her face but she looked like she was about to cry from hysterics I told him I wouldn't really care if it wasn't coming from a place of malice and we decided to get the fuck out as soon as possible anyway now Susie has been receiving messages from her parents saying they still think it was racist and disrespectful and I should apologize and drop the nickname but she is sticking her guns that is no one's business and she even started calling me chocolate daddy and honestly I can't stop myself from laughing whenever she says it but still I feel a bit bad for causing an argument with her parents and causing her to be getting hounded by angry messages. Am I the asshole? You're not an asshole. I think you just made a slip up. I mean, if listen, if that nickname is between the two of you and she's okay with it, then it's fine. I mean, I, but I can also see it from a parent point of view because I'm sure that if I was dating a white man and brought him home and we had this funny nickname between us and he said that shit in front of my parents, they gonna lose their fucking shit. <laughs> if it was something like whatever i don't know chocolate mama or whatever they would have an issue with that even though it's like between us it's the same kind of i feel the same kind of way about that as i do um white people that say nigga around their friends like make sure it's around your friends because other black people ain't gonna be like oh your friends are okay with it we cool with it type shit you know what i'm saying so 
I don't think he's an asshole. I think he made a, a slip up. He made a mistake that's an unfortunate one. And it's going to be hard to come back from. <laughs> but I don't think he's an asshole. It wasn't done with malice. He wasn't like, going to go fuck your shit up with your family. <laughs> he just made a mistake. But I get why they're upset uh, also. I mean, from a parent's point of view, that's... <laughs> Get out of their goddamn relationship. <laughs> Hell, you are not the asshole, man. Nah. You just it is what it is. Made a mistake. How would you feel if she if you if she called you her chocolate, chocolate daddy? Probably do that shit already. <laughs> probably do. That like he done thought about that shit before too. <laughs> like Mayo Mama chocolate daddy. I guess not. But you know the reality is I don't know maybe she like mayo goddamn <laughs> like it's his assumption that she meaning her skin color when he say mayo I mean he could call her her pastel mama or her goddamn eggshell mama or whatever kind of other words Those but things wouldn't be uh, it's because I mean you know why they're upset about it though because they think it's to do with her skin tone cuz he wouldn't call a black person that really likes mayo mayo mama probably <laughs> Like this shit probably would happen. <laughs> I mean, would they be better? Would they be more okay if they if he called a big booty Susie? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, is it just the racial component, or I would they have been upset so with any representation of you having some connection with our daughter? No, I think it's the racist part. But I mean, again, if this is something that she's okay. Both of them are laughing about it. This does not sound like she's in an abusive situation. Doesn't look like she's in an abusive situation. So, I mean, I can see them being uncomfortable with it and being like, uh, that's weird, but not like all out, like break up with him. He's a racist. <laughs> like if everything that you know about him up until that moment does not dictate that he it has some issue, um, which all being white, then this is probably just a stupid joke between the two of them that y'all don't mm-hmm. get. Don't Black people me. can't be racist anyway. Well, let's not get into that though. As evidenced, if if uh the parents called the police on um him for calling their daughter Mayo Mama, uh he would likely get in big ass trouble versus if he called the police and said, Hey, they call me chocolate daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that that is like oh, Jesus. just a black person don't have the power to do anything about it. Like, if they yeah. wanted to call and be like, hey, this black man just slapped our daughter. We live in a white neighborhood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they can really, they they have the power to I'm make their yeah. racism work against for them. He don't have the power to do that. There's nothing he can call the police to say about a white family that did something that the police will get there and take that shit serious. Nothing. <laughs> At all. Is it something you can think of that he could call the police in the middle of a white family and say that the police will come and go hard on the white family? Mm-mm. No. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> white people can do that. Like, So he don't have the power in this situation to be racist. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you can call this shit prejudice. You know, maybe you could just call it unappealing. But it ain't racist. Yeah. Bitches. <laughs> I can't see you. Okay. Oh, okay. at least it ain't froze on an ugly face. True. Sometimes it'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So you want to save his other one for next week? Yeah, we'll save the other one for next week. You okay. said you got a lot of shit. I have a lot of them. I know I'm not. I have so many. I'm not even gonna just randomly select. Yeah, I'm not gonna give you the options because it's too many. This one I'm gonna do because this is close to my heart. (laughs) Am I the asshole for refusing to change my hair color for a wedding? Bitch, what? What? Exactly. So I'm the bridesmaid for a friend getting married next year. She was my bridesmaid this year as well. She chose to move her ceremony to next February. Basically, we're both of South Asian descent with mostly Caucasian friends. In terms of hair color, we both have black hair. She called me today and told me she wanted me to dye my hair another color. Not asked, told. She wants me to dye it a lighter brown so that she's the only one with black hair except for her family. I explained that I'm not massively comfortable dyeing my hair as previously I actually had a reaction to hair dye. She suggested henna dye. For those who don't know, basically it's blocks of henna dye that you melt in a pot and use. It's more natural, but takes forever. I was still reluctant, but I said I'd look into it. A few hours later, I got a call from another friend asking why I'd upset the bride. Apparently she'd taken my I'll look into it as a refusal. This has now completely made me want to say no. It's not like my hair is a crazy shade right now. I feel like I'm the asshole, though, because our other friends are saying I should just do what the bride wants. The fuck out of here. Let me tell you something. My hair is a crazy shade. If you want me to be in your wedding and you ask me to be in your fucking wedding, you go, now, if you want me to do a particular hairstyle, yes. But you want me to dye my fucking hair a different color for your wedding. You're out of your rabbit ass mind, ma'am. Your friend, your, the bride is an asshole because she want to be the only bitch with black hair at the Girl, if you don't sit your ass down somewhere, it's too much. Find you another bridesmaid. That's what you can do. Because I'm not dyeing my hair. Sorry. So, I don't want to come to your goddamn wedding. No way. Okay? <laughs> I don't want to be in it. I don't want to participate. The relationship that we have as it exists is enough. I don't want to do no extra. Okay? Red, when you get married one day, I'm going to come to your wedding. You know, whether you put me in a role, whether you put me whatever, I'm coming to your wedding. Just know, I don't want to fucking be there right now. Okay? <laughs> Everybody who invite me to the wedding, I don't want to be there. All right? But I will do it because that's what support looks like. When you support people, when a motherfucker need help moving, I don't want to help you fucking move. But because I value you, I'll do the shit, okay? So me being there, if you want me there, is the blessing that you get, right? Now, if you're telling me to modify myself, change myself, do some shit that's uncomfortable, pay more money than I'm willing to pay, fly somewhere, go somewhere, do something that's just too much outside of my comfort zone, then I don't want to do it. (laughs) And if you have the audacity... (laughs) <laughs> to ask for something that goes against anything that I would actually ever do on my own, then I'm not coming to your wedding and fuck you. And you deserve to be mad because I don't want to be involved and do that shit. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Just because look, why why do people come to weddings? It's just so they can witness the shit, right? Oh. And why do people be in your wedding and help you be in your wedding? Like, what's the purpose of that shit? Help you out. Help just you more involved, more involved witnesses. Yep, pretty much. But you want me to do some permanent shit to my hair, some damaging shit. First of all, let me just say this: if you don't know anything about hair dye, Asian hair is some of the the hardest hair to lift because their hair is so naturally dark. Okay, and if this ain't something that she would want to do on her own, asking her to do this for one 
fucking day for your wet wedding day just so you can have the pictures that you want to have. You don't know somebody. And again, my hair is a crazy color. Okay. My hair is red. All right. And if you feel like my red hair gonna clash with the colors of your wedding, then bitch, I'm just gonna be a guest. Be our guest, be our guest. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna be. Okay, because what I'm not gonna do is I'm not gonna dye my hair for your fucking day. And then what? What I'm supposed to do after your wedding's over? Now I got dark hair that I never wanted, or she gonna have light hair that she didn't fucking want. All for you to have somebody in a fucking picture? You've lost your mind. Your friend is an asshole. And for her, you even said you would look into it. You didn't even, because listen, I would have told her right out, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you did better than me. You were actually gonna consider the henna, which does take a long time. And honestly, henna on Asian hair ain't gonna really do no shit anyway. It ain't gonna line it up much if it does at all. So you did better than me. And then she take your I'll look into it and go run into the other people in the wedding party and being like, she's refusing. She's gonna ruin my day. Fuck you. And anybody who called my phone with this bullshit, fuck them too. Okay. And okay. and if you ever did that to me, not only would I not be in your party, but I wouldn't attend your wedding either. Nope. Like nope. I'm not coming. Nope. Like you fucked that up. Yep. You fucked it up. I'm not you coming crazy. to your wedding. And if that alters our relationship, then fine, you know. But that's me. I'm just that kind of person. I don't really Well, the thing is this. Ain't okay. nothing to cut them bitches off. I'm already Again, I'm just, I, I, at most, I would have a reception. I don't want to plan a wedding. I just, I have no interest in that. And I have no interest in asking my friends to put out all this money to be in some shit on my day. Because I've been made of honor before. That shit is fucking expensive. Okay? It's expensive. Because you got to get your hair done like everybody else for the pictures. Which my friend only wanted everybody to have, I think, an updo, but I had really short hair at the time, so it wasn't no updo. My hair was already up because I didn't have much of it. Um, but it's a lot. The dress, the jewel, everything got to match everybody else. And so it's a lot of money. And I, just, I don't have a desire to ask people to do that shit for my one day. I just don't. I feel like it's excessive. I don't get it. Anybody that's had a wedding, no offense to you, because, you know, you got everybody got to make their own choice. But for me. It's just too much. And then you have people like this bride who got all of these excessive requests. And it's like, bitch, are you crazy? Are you insane? Like, no, I'm not doing that shit. Like I said, she better than me for even telling her that she would look into the henna because I would have just told her right out, like, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. If this is a problem for you and this isn't going to go with what your theme is or what your vision is, then girl, find you another bridesmaid because I'm not dying my fucking hair. Not. I'm sorry. Because you want to be the only one with black hair. Bitch. <laughs> Crazy. Lost your mind. Crazy as fuck. Fuck out of here. Um, let's see. I'm going to do this one because it's um, it is some some mental health shit. Okay. This is a 26-year-old female talking about her 26-year-old boyfriend. I am dating my boyfriend who is a clinically diagnosed psychopath. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hi. I've been dating this guy for two months and have known him for a little over three months now. On day one, he told me he is a clinically diagnosed psychopath and even battled depression for a bit. I was very wary of his actions, but decided to push through with this relationship because he was such a gentleman. 
I was very worried of this fact and didn't say yes right away when he wanted to be official. I met his closest friend and they seemed normal. All of his actions do not point to the typical psychopath mode. He's not narcissistic. He takes care of his close friends and family and likes to pamper me in my love language. He is actively working on his psychopathy with a therapist, but a part of me is just concerned in the future. What if something goes wrong? What if his mental issues start wreaking havoc in our day-to-day -day life after investing so much time in the relationship? And if anyone encountered the same dating experience as me, much appreciated uh, with you sharing. Um, if his, she watch that video. If his, she do. <laughs> if his personality starts wreaking havoc on y'all's day-to-day in your relationship, then you fucking leave. <laughs> Who gives a fuck how much time you spent in a situation? <laughs> you know, how much more time are you going to spend in a house that's on fucking fire because your shit in it and you've been living in it for a long time? I mean, you risk too much staying in a situation that's dangerous just because you've been in it for a while. No. If something starts going wrong, then get the fuck on. Now, we have this American obsession with psychopathy as it pairs with serial killing yes. and murder. Mm -hmm. We don't think about the idea that there are people that are born with a predisposition to be psychopaths that are really functional psychopaths. Mm -hmm. uh, they have the traits of a psychopath. They have the charm and they have the charisma. They have, they are deeply goal oriented and motivated. They don't like to lose. They don't like to, you know, they're very, you know, motivated by what they're trying to achieve. Uh, but more than anything, I guess that they don't mind stepping on somebody else to get to where they're trying to get to. This is why when you talk about CEOs and politicians, the rate of psychopathy increases because that really sounds like a good boss or a good manager, you know, and a person who is don't care about other people, which means that they may be very intentional on how they promote people and bring people. They may be very good at managing how much the company gives away. When you talk about something that's goal oriented, so when the company has a goal and they give it to them and it's something that they can achieve, same thing with politicians and they get it done. I mean, that's why those numbers go up that those are good. So there's such things as functional psychopaths. Uh, the idea that because he's diagnosed as a psychopath means that something may come up is the same issue we have in our society with bipolar and with schizophrenia. It's like once you believe or know that somebody is clinically diagnosed with these things, you begin to look for things that give you confirmation bias about the problems that we have in our society with that thing. So if somebody you know they got bipolar and they get super mad about something, then you start thinking that must got something to do with their bipolar, when it may very well just be a, a normal response to whatever is going on. Yeah. And I think that you know, this is the shit that she got going on right now. She's looking at his diagnosis and saying, oh, psychopaths do these things. And mm -hmm. I'm not seeing none of these things being done. But what if he start doing these things in the future? The fact that he ain't done no crazy enough shit to be in jail right now that you know of and that he is in counseling to manage it, then you are in a better situation than anybody else can be. You know, just continue to judge him on his behaviors and his actions and what you rather have versus what his diagnosis is because there's a lot of people that don't have diagnosis that are grade a fuck boys and been fuck boying for a long time and will fuck <laughs> your life up and you got to look at their behaviors to determine whether you want to continue to be in that not whatever diagnosis they may have on point sent me this video before um of this person that and it's not i mean it's, it's actually called antisocial personality disorder but he um had it and he was just talking about his uh, experience and what you know what it actually is like for him because he you know he ain't no serial killer he ain't in and out of jail he's functional 
and he's aware that he takes advantage of people and how to do that. And so it's just a very interesting video and that this made me think of that. And and so for y'all for those of you that don't know what a functional psychopath looked like through his shit, basically when he was growing up at age four or five, he just didn't understand emotions. Yeah. He didn't understand why people got sad and angry when they did. And he didn't understand why people got happy when they did. He just didn't understand it. Like, that's the essence of psychopaths. They don't have empathy and understanding for other people's experiences. But what he did was he he started to learn what people react to. I learned what make people happy. I learned what make people sad. And I realized that if you make people happy the right way, you can get what you want. And you can use sadness to get what you want through, you know, emotional manipulation. And so he built up a system where he don't really understand emotion, but he understands what it does to people. And he understands that you can use that to manipulate people however you want to. And so his journey is about understanding that manipulation. I mean, he just had a really profound way of breaking down how he dealt with and managed that shit. Uh, and I can't quite even remember what he said, but he he basically had a philosophical way of looking at how manipulation wasn't wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't practical. Yeah, he said manipulation ain't practical. It only get me what I want for the moment. But in the bigger scheme of things, if my goal is to get this much, I can get more practically based on just being a good person versus being a bad person. Yeah. And he you still know. doesn't feel those emotions. It's still it's amazing. Just his lack of understanding of that, like as far as what it actually he doesn't know what it feels like. He knows what it looks like, but he doesn't feel it. It was a Which good is ass video. It was a post it on the page. Um we've been saying we're gonna post it on the page for two years and never do. Yeah. So yeah. you know y'all know what that means. <laughs> you gotta go find it yourself. <laughs> Yeah, or much. send me a message, tag me in a message specifically, and say uh, I and I and say I want that video, and I'll send it to you. <laughs> uh, okay, this one because this happens to a lot of women, so I'm gonna do this one. You have any? Nah, we're gonna wrap it up with uh. Well, I did have a few, but we'll wrap it up with a viral post. Okay, this will be the last one, and I'll do that. This one, the title of this is "God is offended." I told him I have a boyfriend. If this don't happen all the fucking time, oh, it's so annoying. Oh, a man that works in my school offered to help me with something I was struggling in since I'm a new, I'm in a new country alone and I don't know how some things work, plus the language barrier. I didn't seek him out. He approached me. I agreed and we met up, but the place was closed for Corona restrictions and they told us to call on Monday. He insisted on getting coffee instead of just going our separate ways. He refused for me to pay for my drink. Then he took me to a park to talk, said he'll do my paperwork for me. He'll call for me on Monday and he'll go with me to sign the papers, etc. He said, if I have any friends or family around, I said, I have my boyfriend, but he's not in the country at the moment. And he got quiet. I had to start another topic to get him to talk again. He then walked me home to my door and told me before separating to call him if I feel like going out or if I want to be shown around the city. I told him I know the city well enough already. And I said goodbye. The next day he messaged me. I did not reply right away because I was uncomfortable. When I replied an hour later, he said, where were you? Were you sleeping? I said, no, I was using my computer. He said, what were you doing? Having fun or something useful? 
Um, it was creepy, but I said something useful. He then said if I'd like to go for a walk with him by the river, if I'd like to go shopping with him. I definitely don't. I only went out with him yesterday because he offered to help. I told him I have a boyfriend and I don't think it's appropriate to go out with him without an important reason. He got very offended, sent me paragraphs saying I embarrassed him and that he helps all people, not just me. And he thought I was lonely and just wanted to help me. I apologize and said, I'm thankful for his help, but he kept sending me so much text, making it seem like what I did was wrong and that I offended him and just make, making me really uncomfortable. Did I do anything wrong? I'm really worried about having to see him at school in January and he's supposed to call the office for me on Monday, but I definitely don't want his help anymore. He sound like a motherfucking... Whole ass bitch. You dodged the bullet, ma'am. You found out very early on that he's fucking insane and you need to make sure to stay the fuck away from him because my goodness. <laughs> Paragraphs, um, his response is a red flag. I mean, women are, I mean, men are entitled in our society. I mean, that's a part of that past ownership concept with women. And men feel like if a woman gives him time and if he obliges that she's supposed to owe him something. Right, and motherfuckers don't want to hear that you got a boyfriend. They motherfuckers don't, don't hear that you got a boyfriend. They don't. Um, because they don't care. Now, if you don't care, that's fine. Like if it's like an open relationship and it's like, you know, I got a boyfriend and dudes be like, this is ideal then because I don't like commitment anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. If you already done committed to somebody and you want to chill with me, then shit, let's do it, you know? Um, and that's kind of what make the relationship, open relationship, more difficult on my part, you know, than on a woman's part. Because it's like, when I tell a woman, you know, I got a girlfriend, oh, shit's dead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 75% <laughs> of the time. Don't get me wrong. It's a 25% out there that's cool with it, you know? Uh, but, you know, for me, the essence is transparency and being open. I feel like, I, and I feel like it's too much because the reality, a part of me is saying, well, you know, she should tell him that she got a boyfriend right up front when they meet without stuff. But you know what? That's her having to act based off of a man's own bullshit ass insecurities. Yeah. Because like what she met up with him folk had nothing to do with yeah, that. Yeah. A person that need help shouldn't have to say, okay, now just to let you know, this is completely platonic and I just really need some help. This is not an opportunity for you to make a pass at me because I'm in a relationship. And if you would consider my relationship as a problem with helping me and not want to, please just decline and go about your way. A woman shouldn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so that's that man shit in me that make me be like, well, she should just tell. But the reality is, no, man should not just expect every fucking woman that they come into contact with to be somebody that they want to have any more engagement with than what the fuck the moment calls for. And if that woman gives you some hints and signs that she may be looking for more than fucking inquire, you know, but don't assume shit and don't act entitled to a woman's anything because you do something for her. Yeah, and he, this wasn't, he ain't assumed, because her behavior, even on that first, you know, interaction, was very much, I have a boyfriend, this was about you helping me, I'm not interested in anything more than that. And, and even with that being right in his fucking face, he ignored that and started sending her messages, asking her about where she at and what she doing, and why she ain't responding to him. Like, bitch, we ain't together, we not even friends, what are you talking about? 
I was minding my goddamn business when you sent me that text. That's what I was doing. Minding my business. You should try it. Fuck. No. It's insane. Ma'am, run. Run far away from him. And if he wanna, if it be weird, you know, ignore him. When January coming, you go to the school. Hopefully he been and found somebody else to be fucking creepy with and won't be bothering you anymore by that time. But no, you went wrong. No, you didn't leave him on. No, none of that shit. Like he's fucking crazy. Stay away from him. Or you end up on ID channel and be an episode that I watch. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Um. Oh, so we. Go ahead. Do you have anything further to say about that? No. Nah. All right. If you have a question, comment, a Reddit post, a BuzzFeed or whatever that you want us to talk about or comment on, send it to our Gmail account, which is conversationconartist at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or reach out to us via any of our social media platforms. And uh, we'll we'll get back to you. So let's uh, do some viral posts. Let's do some viral posts. Um, first viral post. Girls with no furniture are always trying to put you out. Girl, fuck this skating rink. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen a house? <laughs> that shit crazy. I've never. I've always had furniture, so I can't relate. I like. I hate when I see them pictures of people. Like you, you didn't got all dressed up, did your makeup, your hair, you standing in the mirror, and behind you is a mattress on the floor. Like your priorities. You don't even have a bed. <laughs> you have a bed. You're sleeping on the floor, on the mattress on the floor. I can't. But you want everybody to think you're a bad bitch. Like, ma'am, where's your bed? <laughs> uh, sleeping on the floor is better for your body. Nigga, bye. It is. <laughs> They're not sleeping on the floor. They're still sleeping on the mattress. When I, I, have, I, I remember I, when I moved back to Montgomery, I remember my come up. I was sleeping on the floor for about a month and a half, two months. On the floor, floor, I got a bed. On the floor, floor. Okay, and then I got a mattress that I was on the floor. Okay. You know, no bedroom. I didn't ever have bedrails in that place. I just, it don't matter. It didn't matter to me. <laughs> bedrails didn't matter to me. pictures and posting them on social media with your, your bed no. in the back? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clearly, this is from uh, Salty Skinny Guys. Just oh. because you fat doesn't mean the front seat is automatically yours. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what fat dudes assume that. Like, this motherfucker got one friend that said this shit, and this motherfucker cast a wide net over fat motherfuckers, making it sound like fat people just want the front seat. Niggas, sometimes the back seat is better for big niggas, man. <laughs> That's just what it is. Sometimes the back is better for big people. Period. Um. All right, this will be a good one for you to think about. What's a story you can't wait to tell your grandkids? And um, this dude said, "How my mom made me pump her gas when the DC sniper was active." <laughs> Goddamn! <laughs> now, what are you gonna tell your grandkids? Um, probably the story about me skipping school because it was so such a fucking ridiculous overreaction and the fact well they by the time that i have grandkids my dad won't be around but the fact that they their great grandfather was stating his feelings about it um that and probably let's see what's something with my mom it's so many stories that i could tell i could tell the story about the one time my mom my mom to this day 
to this day <laughs> talks about when I was a kid, I was like 12 or 13 and I was emo. Okay. Emo wasn't even a thing back then, but I was emo. And she bought me some clothes for Christmas and knew when she bought that shit, when she went in the store and purchased the shit, she knew that there was not in the style of dress that I was wearing. Okay. She bought me a fucking pink long sleeve shirt and some pink and purple plaid pants. That ain't no shit that I would ever have chosen to wear. Okay. So it was a Christmas gift. I opened it up and I was like, oh yeah. Okay. Never wore it. When I tell you to this day, my mom would not buy me clothes. And what she will say is, well, you remember I bought you that outfit. <laughs> like, are you? I was 12. <laughs> I am 35 years old now. You still remember that shit. Like, she talk about this like it happened yesterday. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous fucking thing. Whole grudges. Like, she's still upset about that outfit. Damn. And it was like you bought it knowing I wasn't gonna like it. Like you, this was your trying to get me into colorful shit because you felt like that's what I should have been in. Like you knew you didn't buy that for me. You bought that for you. You don't get mad because I didn't want to wear it and like hold it over my head for life. <laughs> I'm serious when I say to this day, my mom will be like, "Well, I saw this and I thought, you know, thought about you, but you know how picky you are." I was 12. You've got to let it go. You have to. <laughs> uh, she ain't let shit go. She's not. She's not gonna let it go. She don't give a fuck. Uh, and then any number of hilarious stories about my dad when he was drinking. I mean, they're funny now. It was sad at the time. Yeah. <laughs> some of the shit is just so fucking unbelievable that I think, yeah, I probably tell some of those stories, like the goat story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to dedicate a lot of my time. Uh, let, making sure that my kids know that one day I'm going to tell their kids all of the embarrassing stories that I can about them. Um, so it ain't even shit that I got right now. I'm just going to, when I have kids, I'm going to be like, look, you, you're going to hear a lot of shit from me in, across your life, and I'm going to tell it to your kids all the time you do embarrassing shit. Just want to let you know. My mom is going to, my mom does. Did she tell you the story about when I peed in the bed? I don't think when so. I like she made me go to bed. My brothers got to stay up. I had to go because I was like fucking three or four somewhere something like that. And so I, I peed in the bed purposefully. And so the next morning, you know, she's like taking the sheets off, taking and who the fuck asked a four year old this? But she was like, Why did you pee in the bed? And I gave her an honest answer. I told her because she made me mad. Because she wouldn't let me stay up. She whooped my ass. Wrong answer. You tell them to tell the truth. Now I tell you the truth, and I get in trouble for telling you the truth. Because she was like, I wouldn't have even whooped you if you had said because you couldn't, you didn't wake up or like something like that. But you looked me in my face and told me you did that shit on purpose. Lie. Honestly, she would have whooped your ass anyway. Probably. She would have whooped your ass anyway because black families they love they love saying that. I would not have whooped you if you told the truth after they whooped your ass, but you don't have no evidence in your life of telling the truth and not getting your ass whooped. Exactly, because this was a moment in which I told the truth. This was the truth. Like, a lie would have been like, I couldn't wake up and sleep. Like, that would have been the lie. The truth was, you wouldn't let me stay up, so I pissed in <laughs> me. She tell that story to let people know that I've been, not, I guess, stubborn since the day I was born. 
but she tells everybody that fucking story. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, so I'm yeah, I'm gonna be that parent too. Um, them them fucked up stories of the bullshit that you did as a kid. Yeah, when you bring your significant other over, I want them to know who they really with. <laughs> Shit, what I went through to get you to the person that you are today that wants to, that they want to date. <laughs> they ain't had to go through the trudges of getting you here. <laughs> Shit. All right, what's next on the chopping block? Um. Not feeding my daughter until I secure the PS5. Her blood is on your hands at Walmart. Damn. All of these Walmart memes coming out about women buying men the PlayStation and shit. Yeah, I keep saying that. That shit's so stupid to me. Yeah, it is. But there's a lot of dudes out here who ain't got the money that girls do. They girls do. Yep. And, um, you know, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Quit spending your money on ten dollars worth of weed a day and say some of that shit. <laughs> Twenty dollars worth of weed. So Jeffrey Tubin was fired. You know who Jeffrey Tubin is? Why does this sound familiar? So he's he worked on the New Yorker and he was a CNN correspondent. Oh, he showed himself. Yeah, he yeah. exposed himself on a Zoom call, masturbated. And you know, it could have been on it, it, hung up. it could have been on purpose and he knew he could use the excuse that it might was an accident, you know, but it don't really matter what he did is what he did. And then like somebody tweeted this. Um well this was his tweet. I was fired today by at New Yorker after twenty seven years as a staff writer. I will always love the magazine, will miss my colleagues and will look forward to reading their work. And then somebody posted in addition to masturbating on camera during a work meeting, Tubin previously stalked a colleague demanding to fist her and met and seduced a junior employee at work, then impregnated her and tried to force her to get an abortion. If he gets to play the victim here, then I am done. After this, once his impregnated co-worker refused to get an abortion, he offered to pay to have her inseminated by another sperm donor. She declined this generous offer and had his baby. Then Tubin refused to pay child support until court ordered. Bro, this is the most white man shit ever. Like <laughs> to have been able to have a, a 27 year career after some shit like that is wild. You know, I don't know if this happened 27 years ago, but like to be able to do that and still have a job, that's Who wild. The fuck gets off a business meeting and just like gonna ah, check off now. Like yeah, it's a lot of hypersexual people out here. I mean, but I my- met a I met a girl who says she masturbates like 13, 14 times a day. No matter where she at work or whether she not, she just she just hypersexual like that. And it's a disorder in some people because like some kids do that. Like, yeah, but is he that or is he just a fucking creeper? Or uh, he may not be a creeper, but if he ain't, he a bad decision maker. <laughs> um, let me see. Chris Brown hits different when he's your boyfriend. Wow. Yeah, we talked about Chris Brown. That's rude. We talked about Chris Brown in that stream that I had the other day, and I didn't know that he was 17 years old when all that shit went down. Yeah, they were both young. Yeah, but, like, he got the grown man adult treatment from that shit that happened when he was a kid. Yeah, 
He did. Um, because if you had a kid on your caseload that punched a girl at school, he wouldn't all the shit they had. He wouldn't get adult treatment. Nah, he wouldn't. He would get suspended for three days and be able to come back to school. Like kids get so much leeway to do bullshit. Um. You know John Gray, the pastor that's been cheating on his wife, cheating oh. on the first time about a car. That man cheated on this woman again. My God. This shit John say, wait, John Gray cheated again? I thought y'all were bringing up the one from before. That man will lift his stomach up for anybody. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that shit was so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Look, listen. Are we surprised? This nigga cheated and bought her a Lamborghini, was it? Was Ferrari, it a Lamborghini? Maybe. Ferrari. Some expensive oh, ass car. Might have been a Lambo, but some expensive ass car. Like. That does not give me uh, security that he won't do it again. I'm not surprised that he did the shit again. Hmm. Now she gonna stay and what are you gonna buy this time? <laughs> I don't know, man. She needs to just leave. She needs to, she should have left the first fucking time. If you cheat on me and your way of atoning for that is to bring a fucking car to the house, my nigga, we got some problems. Okay. That's not no. <laughs> so she definitely needs to leave this time. Cause it's gonna be another time. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through this post, listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony as a kid. Okay. Bone, 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 bone. Now tell me what you're going to do when there ain't nowhere to run. When judgment comes for you, because it's going to come for you. Nigga, hippopotamus, easy as Uncle Charlie, and a boop is God got it, and I'm gonna miss everybody. I done rolled and fold the game, looking I want to play, done played the destiny. Thanks for me to stay in a land that that's who be. Tell me the adventure fits deeply. Living in bye bye land, land, you ran, you ran, land, land. <laughs> yes. God bless that's you. That's exactly right. the heavens. Father Lord, our 24-7 days. Then gotta see the play, uh, even though that, that was all up in my face, and we're giving me safe for the regular day. Good enough to live, please, with the regular day. That song is one of those songs where, like, you just until you get to the words that you know. Until you get to, I miss my Uncle Charles, y'all. Oh. <laughs> That's like, if you on point with that part, then you good. It's like some words show up. Yeah. That it, shit was so stupid. Oh, uh, you know the song One Week by Bare Naked Ladies? Nope. You don't know that song? Nope. It's been one week since you. Something, something, something. something. Okay. Nope. That's, that song is the same way because the guy who, I guess, is it rap? I guess he's more rapping than singing, but it's the same shit with Bone. Like, it's, you jump in with the words that you know, and then the rest is just nah, 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 nah. people do that with, um, or did that with our Week by SWV. <laughs> Week in the knees. <laughs> mm. We do that with a lot of songs. But Bone was like, yeah. Uh, next one. So Donald Trump Jr. says, 70 million pissed off Republicans and not one city burned to the ground. Response, your dad got legally voted out, not murdered by three cops in broad daylight. He doesn't have a concept. That's that white privilege. He has no concept of 
why everybody was protesting during those times. All he knows is that something happened that people didn't like and they was protesting and burning down shit. So this happened and he don't like it and he feel like people should also be burning down shit because he has no concept of what was actually behind it because he doesn't care because it doesn't impact him. Yeah, he's weird. Don't understand shit. Mm-hmm. Now when Biden wins, watch how I don't wear his name on a hat or fly his flag on my lawn for four years like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah you know what so i had a couple people in my neighborhood with trump pence 2020 flags one of them took that shit down immediately after like it was called now he just got an american flag waving (laughs) now the old lady she's she doubled down and she got her little sign in her yard and she's not gonna take that shit down but the guy with the one flying from his house took that shit down but he ain't gonna get a Biden one. Oh, he ain't gonna get a Biden one, but he sure ain't gonna continue to fly that Trump one. Mm-hmm. News: Secretary Ben Carson tested positive for COVID nineteen this morning. His deputy chief of staff says he's in good spirits and feels fortunate to have access to effective therapeutics with aid and market markedly speed his recovery. Carson attended the election night party at the White House. Yep. If he died, this is, I'm just gonna know that the Republican Party trying to get rid of blacks for this. <laughs> And with COVID, Herman uh, Cain died. And then him. Herman Cain now fucking being Car- and You know what? Ben Carson is like Ben Carson uh, apparently was a very good neurosurgeon, and now his legacy, were he to die, is being a shucking and jiving ass nigga for Trump. Like that's what your legacy is now, not your neurosurgery shit. Like. <laughs> Woo, it's the life he chose. Wrong side of history. Like you didn't, you could have had a very great legacy for yourself, and now it's just being a shucking and jiving nigga for the Republican Party. Trump specifically, not even the Republican Party, because there's nothing wrong with being a black Republican. But Trump shit, that's terrible. Yeah. Um. Um. Last one. Bitches be saying Vegas ain't ready for us. Like Vegas never had five musty, out of shape, big back bitches before. Damn. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. That was hard. Like, damn, bro. Who hurt you? So a big, musty, out of shape, big back bitch, apparently. <laughs> My God. That's personal. She that hurt him. a little personal. She hurt the motherfucker. Damn. But, uh, but anyway. <laughs> That's all I got for viral polls, and we are at two hours. Um, listen, man, I just want to remind y'all that, like, from my story this morning, that's like just for some motivational shit. Like, you can't let life happen to you. You got to happen to life, meaning that you need to be prepared as much as you can be, physically, psychologically, emotionally. To manage anything that come your way unexpectedly or even expectedly. It's some shit that you're going to know about at some point in your life that is going to hurt deaths, um, diseases and disorders, all kind of different things. Happen to life. Don't let life happen to you, man. That's all, all right. I got. You got anything else on your mind? I do not. All right. Well, until we come to the next conversation. We out. Holla. Holla.